from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Focused on Forward, our Friday night live edition. Uh, We have another stellar, amazing guest for you guys to listen to tonight. Uh, We'll get to Wally. Uh, His name is Wally Green. We'll get to Wally here in just a a couple of moments. But before that, we have a couple of quick uh, housekeeping details to work out here. So I want to share with you guys. Now, we've we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Uh, Two weeks ago, or last week, rather, we played the the video from... uh, the carpool shenanigans folks, or that was two weeks ago. That was right. Yeah. Two weeks ago, that was carpool shenanigans. Last week I shared a video uh, with you guys from the fandom effect. And tonight I want to share a video with you from another scene snobs member. This is a group from entertain this. So sit back, relax, enjoy their video for the next minute. Hey, Tony, a mook. I haven't seen you in months. That's because I've been catching up on the Entertain This Podcast. They have over 50 episodes spanning everything entertainment. Are those those wise guys who did an episode making fun of our boy? Uh, what's his name? Vinny, if you listen to the podcast, you know that's Joe Pesci. Ah, Joe Pesci, yeah. Yeah, All I know is if I see those boys, I'm gonna break the kneecaps. (laughs) Hey. Why are you guys talking like that? Oh, um... <coughs> hey, Nick. I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Nick. We are Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. We release new episodes every Friday live on the Scene Snobs Network. And if you're more of an audio person, we got that too. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and Entertain This. Entertain this. Entertain this. And forget about it. Forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And one more. So uh, that's the guys from Entertain This. Alex, Nick, and Michael. Those guys are a trip. You guys will really enjoy it. Uh, Really fun and and thought-provoking interviews that they do over there. And uh, all kinds of goofy stuff. So uh, if you're looking for uh, something fun. Uh, I strongly suggest you check out the boys over at Entertain This. Now, one more thing. So you might notice I'm wearing a hat from a company called Vital Signs. They handle all the logos, uh, design, graphics, print, uh, anything that you're going to need. In fact, uh, here's a quick commercial from our sponsor, Vital Signs and Graphics. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. 
All right. So that's the, the business end of things. Let's now welcome to the main stage, we'll bring him out of the green room, our guest, Wally Green. Hey, Wally. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, very well. So again, wanna we, we had a chance to talk for our pre-show for just a moment, and I thank you for being willing to come on tonight and talk with me. And, and uh, so I want to take an opportunity again, say thank you for being a guest on, on Focused On Forward. Um, but before we get into your story, I have to ask you a question. So I think, and I realized only today that there's actually a difference between the words table tennis and ping pong. So I, I have gone 44 years of my life thinking that these two things were the same and that just, it was like, you know, different ways to call something, you know. The, the, you know, the same thing, like there's two names where like some people call a couch a Davenport, you know, so that's like, okay, maybe that's what it is. Right, so, right. so what's the difference between table tennis and ping pong? So um, in reality, in reality, there is no difference in reality. Um, a lot of, a lot of the pro players in the world, they don't like the word ping pong because uh Ping pong is associated with something you would do in your basement, right? But okay, but um, I'm a big advocate of the word ping pong, and I'll tell you why. Okay, first reason why uh, ping pong is more of an inviting word. You know, it's such a cooler word than table tennis, and it's just inviting. It's nice. It's 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 inviting. It's cool. The, the second reason why. One of America's uh, biggest historical moments involved ping pong, which is called the ping pong diplomacy, not the table tennis diplomacy, but the ping pong diplomacy, which is in 1971 when America established relations with China. The third and final reason why I like the word ping pong is that the best players in the world by far, which is China, calls it ping pong. I've never heard a Chinese person say the word table tennis. So... There's okay. a reason. So there's a reason why it's called table tennis in America. And most people don't know the history. So originally the sport was called ping pong. Parker Brothers decided they wanted to take the word ping pong and own it. So they copyrighted the word ping pong. So the only reason you have table tennis is because the association would have to pay to use the word ping pong, right? Because Parker Brothers owns the word ping pong now. And then they came up with the word table tennis. So if Parker Butters never copyrighted ping pong, the sport will still be called ping pong. Okay. All right. So I wasn't too far off, I think, maybe. Nope. Then uh, I just, yeah, I always just thought that it was something where there was like, you know, this was kind of like the, uh, the the pinkies out version was to call it table tennis. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's the, and by pinkies out, I mean, like that's the uppity version, you know, the, right, the classy, right. like, oh, right. You know, we only play, we play table tennis on the weekends. Okay. So, all right, cool. Well, I think what I would like to do now is, is give you an opportunity here, Wally, to, to tell us about your story. Tell us about, you know, because the title of our episode tonight is, is from gangs to table tennis. So let's talk about your, your life's journey and, and how you went from your situation and uh, living and where you lived and, and what you're doing now. Well, um, it started, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the projects in Brooklyn and, uh, I grew up with a lot of, uh, heavy domestic violence. Uh, my parents divorced 
probably when I was like maybe one or two. I, I don't I don't really know because I don't have any uh, image of my mom and dad together. Uh, my mom remarried, and uh, the person she remarried used to abuse her. So my mom used to get beat up all the time, and um, you know sometimes I would I would get hit you know for no reason or or stuff like that. And um, it, it was really hard growing up in a house like that because as a young kid, especially a young boy, you know, you want to protect your mom, but you can't because if you try, you get beat up too. So um, that took me to joining gangs and 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 um, just just wanting to belong to something that I thought was, you know, a family, right? Um, and at 13 years old, you know, I started joining gangs, you know, wanting to belong to something. I started having guns at the age of 13 as well. Um, did a lot of crazy just crazy things, man. And, um, you know, um, I was always an athlete. Like, I loved sports, so I played a lot of sports and um, really hated ping pong at the time. I mean, they had it in my school, but uh, I remember being on a football team, coming through the, the lunchroom and seeing these kids play, and I would just make fun of them. Like, you know, look at these kids with short shorts and a stick. So it's a sport that I really never liked. And... Um, you know, through through the times of my gang banging and playing sports, you know, I was I was a pretty responsible kid, right? So I mean, which means that like you know, um, like I went to school, I cut out, but if I did cut out, I had other kids doing the work for me, or I had other kids getting the work for me. So I was always kind of on the responsible side, and um, you know, I played like I said, I played a lot of sports, and then um. One day I started uh, shooting um, pool, like pool became my new thing. I, I went into a pool hall, not a pool, I went to a pool store and um, I, I bought a pool stick, a very cheap one. And then while I was in that store, I saw some expensive ones like on the side. And I was like, those look cool. So the next day I went back to the pool store and I said, hey, uh, I want to change this for another pool stick. And the guy says, okay, you can take one from the box, right? But what I did was is I took one that was on the stand change the price and then now i had an expensive pool stick so i don't know if that was really stealing i mean i guess i guess you can say it was stealing and so now i had this expensive pool stick and having the expensive pool stick made me feel like i was a great player because i could shoot but the mm -hmm. expensive pool stick just gave me this feeling like yeah i'm good and you know i went to a pool hall to shoot um got hustled for some money and um got really upset because money i didn't really have um, got really upset, hit the pool stick on the table. The pool stick shattered. Now I had nothing to do. And I saw some kids playing ping pong. Like they had two ping pong tables in the pool. And I saw some kids playing. And um, I went over there. And I don't think I went over there to to want to play ping pong. It was more of me being a bully because I was angry. And I wanted to take, take it out on somebody. So I went up to the kids and I said, hey, I want to get a hit. Right? And, and they was like, okay. But I wasn't asking. I was kind of just saying, give me the racket. I want to hit the ball. And so out of anger, I hit the ball. The ball went on the table. And the kid, and one of the guys said, hey, do, do, you know, do you play? And I was like, no, I don't play this. And, and the guy was like, hey, you got to go to this club. There, there's a ping pong club. And I said, wait, what do you mean? There, there's an actual club for this? Like, there's no way that there's a club that people go to. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's a club. And, and um. And I guess because, like I said, I was an all-around athlete. I was good at every sport. That I really had to see that there was a club for this kind of thing. So I went down to this club, 
and um, I saw people playing and people were standing from the table, boom, boom, and and and, and hitting balls and it, it was crazy. It was like, whoa, this is nuts! Like this is ping pong, and um, you know, I wanted to play. Nobody would play with me, and everyone was just you know kind of not really friendly, right? Because I couldn't play and they didn't know me. And then there's so many things that went through my head because like I said, at the time, you know, I was gang banging and, 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 and in my mind, I was like, what, you know, these, these people don't know me. Like they should be respecting me. You know, I'll shoot up this whole place. You know, I was just in, in, in that mental mind, like, you know, and then another thing about me, I was the kind of person that I wanted to be where you didn't want me to be. So wherever people okay, didn't want okay. me to go, I'm going. Okay. I, okay. I always did that. So I said, you know what? If I felt like people didn't want to play with me, I said, you know what? I'm going to come every day, you know, and, and, and I'm waiting for someone to start something. So eventually um, this older gentleman played, played, played with me a couple of times and the guy would kill me. He'd beat me like 21, 11, like 21, three, 21, four, like no chance. And so at that point I kind of got a little more interested. Right. Because I was like, I'm a seasoned athlete and I'm losing to a guy who's like over 60. Like, it didn't make sense. And then uh, for a while, I didn't have a partner. And then um, finally, one guy comes in, and I'm sitting down. And he goes, hey, um, do you have a partner? And I said, uh, no, I don't have a partner. And the guy goes, well, you know what? I'm going to pay you $20 every time you play with me. And I was like, what? $20. And for me, the $20 was a hustle. You know, he said $20. I was like, yes, yes. You know, because <clears throat> every sport, I can pretty much play, you know, I won't be okay, great okay. right away, but I'm good at every sport. It doesn't matter. If I pick up a sport in, in, in the first, I don't know, in the first maybe hour, I, I'm going to be better than the average person. I'm just good at sports. And and um, so I can hit the ball. And, and and so the guy said $20. I said, yes, let's do it. So I played, you know, maybe three times a week with this guy at 60 bucks. You know, it's good money for me because I really had zero money. So that 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 was a great look. And um, we we play. And then, um, you know, we talk and then he would ask me about like my life and stuff and my family, whatever. And then, you know, I would tell him, yeah, I'm in a gang and that's my family. And, and yeah, and I respect them. And, and this is what we do. And uh, for him, it was like a TV show, right? Because I always tell everyone, I say this all the time, if you don't know anybody who lived that life or you've never lived that life, you can't begin to understand what that life is. It's, it's a TV show. It's like, you know, you turn on TV or you watch a movie, right? Like, I give the example of if someone told me that, yo, I saw this 13-year-old kid walking around with a gun, I'd be like, yeah, that's crazy, right? Uh, because it, it's something normal. Like, okay. But if he, if he told someone else who doesn't know anything about it, they'd be like, no way. How could a 13-year-old have a gun? You know what I'm saying? So um, he was that guy that really didn't know or really didn't understand the level of what I was doing. And then uh, one day I went to the club and um, we were talking after practice and a 22 fell out of my bag and he saw it and the look on his face was like, and I wasn't going to wait around to find out what he was thinking. So I picked up, put it back in my bag and I was like, I'm out and just left. Right. Because I don't know he's going to call police. I don't know what he's going to do. So right, right. I, I just left. And the first thing I thought was, damn, there goes my $20. That's the only thing I was thinking about. Like, my $20 is, is gone. And uh, two days later, the guy calls me up and he says, hey, are we still going to practice? And I was like, yeah, okay. 
right? Because I just the the first thing I thought about was twenty dollars. I didn't care. I was like twenty dollars. I get my twenty dollars back. So I go and and I play with this guy, you know, a couple more times, and then he says, "Hey, uh, I want to invite you to my home, right?" And for me, it's kind of weird because like you just saw a gun fall in my bag, and now you want to bring me to your home where your family lives. And um, he had a, a house that was like two and a half hours away from New York City near Hunter Mountain. And uh, I said, okay, you know, it's my $20 hustle, so I got to do it. So I went up there with him. I met his family. I played with his family. And I think he was trying to give me the sense of what family is supposed to be. I mean, I still don't know why he did that till today. And then um, in the midst of all of that, he says, hey, um, I want to help you. And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, I see that you're interested in this sport. So I have a connection in Germany and I want to pay for you to go to Germany to learn ping pong. Oh, wow. Like, well, and the only thing I knew about Germany at the time was Hitler. So I had all kinds of confusing <laughs> ideas in my head. Like, why is this dude trying to send me to Germany? Like, you know, but, you know, I was also a person that always took opportunity. If there was an opportunity there, I was going to take it. And, and, and I took it. And then that's how I first started my, my my journey with the whole ping pong. Okay. Okay. So so I, I read, I read it, it, in, it, it, it in an interview where it said that uh, by the age of thirteen you had owned I think was I want to say it was either five or six guns. Yeah. Yeah. So you know so for when you say that oh you you know you made the the comment there that you know to somebody else the the thought of a thirteen year old having a gun was yeah. not a big deal because your your history you know you're like oh yeah that's okay yeah so how hard was it for you though to make the, the break from going from being in a, a guy who is in with gangs and doing gang activities to being a guy who is going to now be a ping pong player um well i mean the the first step of it was when i agreed to go to germany right and then now it became difficult when I arrived in Germany. That's, that's when it became really difficult because, you know, I was this really angry kid and, and, and you know, angry kids need fuel for the fire. Like, 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 like we need, we thrive on that fuel. Like, like we'll present a potential dangerous situation so that you can respond, so that we can respond to your response, right? Okay. And that's kind of what we do. So when I went to Germany, you know, I was surrounded by all the best, all the kids who are best at their sport, whatever sport it is. And um, <clears throat> all these kids kept saying, oh, my God, hey, man, you're from America. Whoa, we love America. You're from New York. Whoa, we love New York. And me, I was like, oh, get away from me. Like, you know, this is crazy. Like, what, what are you doing? Right. And and I wanted to be that angry kid. And I wanted to to to, to be able to lash out. Right. But I couldn't because everyone just kept being so nice. And they have a saying, and I say this all the time. There's a saying which is said, uh, killing you with kindness. Killing right. someone with kindness is a real thing. If you never experienced it, it is real. It mentally just messes you up because here I am, this angry kid, and I want to fight somebody. I want to punch someone, but they're not giving me any fuel for that fire. And what happens with this anger? Now you have to figure out what you're going to do with this anger because now you're all angry and people are just like, ah, I'm nice, I'm nice, hello, 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 hello. And, 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 and it, you, you start to mentally just go through this thing where you're like, whoa, okay, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know this situation because you're so used to a situation where you say something, someone responds to you, and now you react. Now I'm trying to say stuff, but people aren't responding the way that normally happens. So I was confused, like for like for a month, I was just like I, I was like walking around, like like how do you say, chicken without a head. Like I I didn't even know what I was doing, and then uh, eventually um something came to me and said, hey, you know, why are you angry? Why are you upset? You're not in America. You're not in the projects. You're not around the abuse. You're not in the gang. So why are you angry for what? And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm angry for no reason because everyone's genuinely trying to be nice to me. So I started to open up and I started to, you know, be nicer and, 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 uh, and, and make friends. And, and that was the start of the change of my life started at that point. Okay. So, yeah, so you, you had to kind of change a little bit. I would imagine it's almost, and this might be a bad analogy, so correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it almost sounds like, you know, when someone's an addict where they have to change their people, their places, their things, is that to some yes, extent yes. what you had to go through as well? For sure. For sure. For sure. You, 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 what, you know, what I did or better yet, what that guy helped me do was to remove me from every part or idea of what I was doing before. And the only thing that was stuck was the mental part of it, right? Because the mental part, even though I was not there, I still had the mindset. So the mindset was still the same, right? And once the mindset started to change, then I started to change as a person. So yes, you're correct. Okay, excellent. So let's talk about after you came home from Germany. Now, you know, the the home situation was still going to be the home situation that you had left and you went to before you went to Germany. So how was it for Wally at that age to kind of wrap his head around what was going on around him? So 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 here's so here's the thing. Um, After Germany, I didn't go home. I already left my home at 16 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. So 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 I I had a crazy incident at home and, and and. I left at 16. So at 16 years old, I was already on my own. Okay. I, 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 I spent one year uh, living in the streets, you know, just hanging out with, the, with my gang members, doing all kinds of dumb stuff. So, so, so during that whole process of meeting that guy and then going to Germany, I was actually on my own at the time. Okay. Now, the, the, the gentleman that you're, that you're referencing, and I, I think I also read in another interview where you... I think you said that he you called him an angel. Yeah, that, yeah. Is it the same gentleman? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And and the reason why, and the reason why I say that it had to be an angel, I'll tell you why. This is this is a person who is very instrumental in me being here. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably be dead or in jail for life, right? So a person like that, of course, is very important to you and should mm-hmm. always be important to you, right? How is it possible that we cannot find this person, right? I don't remember this person's name, right? Um, I just did a documentary with this director that won like 45 awards. And part of the documentary would have been great is having this guy see what I've accomplished because of him. Now, listen to this. We couldn't find this guy. No number, no name, no nothing. But yet we could find the school that I went to. We could find the coach. How come I remember the coach's name? The coach's name I remember. 
and her, her name is Zabina Butcher, which is the craziest name for you to remember. But I remember that. So that is odd. I, yeah. I, I told someone about this, and and the person's a spiritualist, and the person said, maybe that person is not meant to be found. And I was like, ooh, okay. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. And now back to Focused on Forward. So let, let's talk about um, after you came home then. And, you know, so you've had a, you've had a pretty interesting uh, ride in life uh, after you came home from Germany and some of the things that you were able to partake of and things you were able to do. So walk us through, after coming home from Germany, what were the next steps in your transition to becoming the, the pro tennis player and the, you know, the, the diplomat that you became? So after coming home, now I was addicted to this sport. I just wanted to play all day. And, and, and if anyone's ever played ping pong at like even just a little bit decent level, it's a very addictive sport because the littlest, tiniest things make you better immediately. So you get immediate gratification for such a small thing. So I was so just crazy about it. And I would go to the club, practice, 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 practice every day, all day, every day. I started playing a lot of tournaments, right? Started winning some tournaments. And, and just started like loving this sport and bringing this crazy aura about me to a sport that wasn't so crazy. And my biggest break came. Uh, I remember the biggest break came one day I'm playing a tournament in Chinatown and um, I'm playing against this, this Chinese kid who, who he, he's, he's originally from China and I think he was visiting at the time and, and, and he came to play the tournament, right? So we're, we're playing each other and the, the kid was talking trash to me in Chinese. Not really talking trash to me, but every time I make a point, he would say words like, Cho! and then say something in Chinese. And then I'm like, oh yeah, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna do this? Okay, I'll make a plan, be like, that's it, baby. That's it, that's it, get him out of here. And I'd be talking trash. And um, Rockstar Games happened to be at that tournament. If you guys don't know who Rockstar Games are, they're mm -hmm. the creator of Grand Theft Auto, one of the most famous yep. games ever. And they happened to be at the tournament. And so they, they, they heard this going back and forth. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wind up losing the match, but it was so close and it was so good. Then they came up to me and they said, hey, um, do you know Rockstar Games? I was like, yeah, of course. Grand Theft Auto, man, I love it. And they said, well, we're planning to make the world's first ping pong game. And I was like, no way. And they was like, you know, would you be in? Yeah, of course. Like, even before they say interested, I was like, yeah, of course. Because like I said, I was always a person that take opportunity all the time. I heard Rockstar Games, ping pong game, and I was like, yes. So I jumped on that immediately. So I made this video game with them. Um, the video game won best sports game of the year. I think this was 2006. Won best sports game of the year. It beat NBA Live. It beat Madden. It beat every single sports game. FIFA for best oh, sports. That's crazy. Game. Yeah, it was crazy. And um, I traveled around the world with Rockstar promoting this game. So this is my first time like really getting around. And then, and, and, and then I, oh, and also the, I'm 90% of the motion capture. So I had to wear that weird motion capture suit and do all these. Oh yeah, with like all the little balls, everything all, all over balls you. On you. Yeah. yeah, and so then I thought, I said, you know what? I need to take this to a bigger level, right? You know, I want to play pro. And the only way you can play pro is you need money to play pro. Because it's very expensive to travel from country to country to country and pay entry fee, pay hotel. You know, it's it's minimum. Minimum is going to be at least just over $2,000. And we're talking about maybe five days, hotel, 
airfare, food, you know, it's 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 a lot of money. And so I told Ross, I said, hey, listen, um, I'm interested in playing on a pro tour for US. You know, would you guys sponsor me? And they were like, Yeah, sure, just write us what you need. So I said, All right. Um, I did some research on, on how to write the sponsorship and I came up with a sponsorship letter, you know, uh 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 things that I needed in detail and what could I do for the company, how would the sponsorship uh, benefit the company and stuff like that. I came with this letter. Yeah, and, and, and they paid me for two years. I traveled literally all over the world. I'm telling you, in two years, I went to, I want to say over maybe 35 countries, like maybe more. Wow. Like I was just, every time I was on a plane going to some country to play ping pong and always by myself. I always travel by by myself, and 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 then that was the start of, of me playing pro. That's exactly how it started with the Rockstar sponsorship. So I got to thank thank Rockstar Games for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really cool story. Okay, so you you've been playing professional now for for what? It's 2021. So I'm trying to do some quick maths. About 15 years. Yeah. 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 Playing professionally for about 15 years. Okay. Now in that time, you've had some other. Uh, some some other opportunities that have come forward after since becoming a professional player. Can you speak about some of those? Um. Oh man, there's a bunch of them. Like like you know, I've done a lot of media stuff. So you know, I've been on Steve Harvey show. Been in New York Times magazine. I've been on the news. I've been in newspapers. Almost every AP article in America. Um, in, in, in the time I co-founded a business called Spin, which is um, a ping pong bar, lounge, restaurant, nightclub. It's also co-founded by the actress Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Oh, wow. Man. Cool. Yeah. So there's been so, so many things that came out of ping pong, yet they all involve ping pong somehow. Like everything I do in my life just involves ping pong, no matter how big or how small it is. It involves ping pong. I even hosted, hosted and emceed Steph Curry's event at, in 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 Las Vegas, a charity that had what in it? Ping pong. I <laughs> <That> was the <laughs> MC and the host of it. You know, Steph Curry was there, Floyd Mayweather was there, all these people. But everything I do just involves ping pong. So a lot of the opportunities that I, I do, they all come from ping pong and ping okay. pong related. Yeah, now one of the ones I was thinking about in particular was the opportunity to travel to North Korea. Now that, oh. yeah, so I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that because you know the only other kind of uh, 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 sports representative from the United States that I was ever aware of, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm misled, so you can correct me on this. Uh, but the only one that I was really familiar with, uh, other than you, once I started reading about you, was Dennis Rodman. And you know Dennis going in and 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 talking and uh, to North Korean leaders and trying to uh, help find a level playing field. So what was that experience like for you going to a country where very few people get to travel? Yeah. So um, when when the year that I went to North Korea, it was the year right after I was on the Steve Harvey show, and then I was like, you know, I, I, I want to do something big this year. I don't know what it is. I I just feel like I want to do something big with my sport and I was looking online and they have the ITTF, which is the International Table Tennis Federation. All the tournaments for about one year or two years are listed. So, so you can see 
I can see this year the tournaments that I want to play next year. Okay. So, so, so I'm looking through, I'm looking through the tournaments because I always choose and pick, you know, and, and, and I saw, whoa, North Korea, no way. There's a tournament in North Korea. I was like, oh, this is cool. And Dennis Rodman had just came back from North, from North Korea. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go to North Korea. I definitely, because remember what I told you before, wherever I'm not wanted, that's where I want to go. And, right. you know, for North Koreans, Americans are the devil. We're evil. We're, 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 we're the worst of the worst, and we should be killed. This is, you can see documentaries where it says this. And um, I was like, I definitely need to go there to, to make a difference. And Dennis Rodman was a huge, huge factor in me going there. Because when I tried to go, when I wanted to go, I contacted all my friends. I have friends all over the world. I say, hey, I want to go to North Korea to do a diplomacy for world peace. Because as I mentioned before, 1971, with President Nixon, we have the ping pong diplomacy, hence mm -hmm. you got Forrest Gump. So I wanted to do my own Forrest Gump to North Korea and nobody would go. Everybody said, you're crazy. We're not going there, it's too dangerous. You're gonna get killed, you're gonna die, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, if you guys don't wanna go, then I'm gonna go by myself. So um, I, I, I called up the US team, I said, hey, um, you guys have to sign me up for this tournament because you can't sign yourself up for the pro tour. Pro tours have to be signed up by the U.S. team. So they okay. make accreditation and then you can do everything else after that. But in terms of getting your name on that list, the U.S. team has to do it. So in the beginning, they were like, mm. and I said, no, 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 I, I want to go. There's something that I want to do and I want to go. Just sign me up. I'll handle everything myself. So they signed me up. Uh, I got email from Secretary General. And uh, they said, oh, you know, you're going to come to North Korea. Welcome. Uh, you need to go to Beijing to pick up your visa. So I was like, all right, cool. I just came back from Beijing re recently from training. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'll go to Beijing, pick up my visa. So I go, I get the visa. And then uh, the next day, I'm flying to North Korea by myself. And, and, and no one, first of all, no one would go. And secondly, I was the only Westerner at the tournament. There were no Westerners at the tournament, none, zero. There were countries that were like communism, like China was there, of course, Viet Vietnam, Syria, um, maybe a few, I don't even remember, but but there were countries like that. So I was the only Westerner at this tournament. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's how I started to go to North Korea. Okay. So what was your experience like there in being in, you know, because that, again, that's a country that not a lot of people get to travel to. And I think that a lot of uh, Americans, especially people who, anyone who lives in the Western hemisphere, kind of has a misconception perhaps of what that country is, what it's like, you know, some other things. What was your perception of that country and, and being um, there? It's uh, so as a, as a Westerner in a country like this, you're, you're, a lot of the perceptions are kind of true. So you are always being watched. Like they give you a guide and this person's job is to watch you. Their job, like you'll, you'll meet, as soon as you get off the plane, this person's gonna come to you and say, hello, uh, Mr. Green, I'm your guide. And this person's job is to watch you and report back. So, you know, you, have, you, 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 you can't do anything like, so, like you can't just leave your hotel and say, oh, I'm gonna go for a walk. No, you cannot leave that hotel at all. For any means necessary, you cannot leave that hotel, right? So every day for me was going um, 
from the hotel. I wake up, eat breakfast in the hotel. My guy come pick me up from the breakfast room. Then we get into a car with two other, um, I guess, security, and then go to the practice hall, then the practice hall, to the tournament hall, tournament hall, back to practice hall, practice hall, back to hotel. And that was every day. That, that that's because you can't you you can't do anything. You're you're not allowed as a Westerner to do anything. You can't have any Wi-Fi, right? So there's no Wi-Fi for you as a Westerner, right? There's no cell phone service for you as a Westerner. So no Wi-Fi, no cell phone service, which means that you're cut off from the rest of the world, right? Okay. The third thing that makes it extremely dangerous is that they take away your passport. So when they check into the hotel, you don't have a passport. Oh, wow. Yes. So no passport, no Wi-Fi, no cell phone service. That means you're you're technically a prisoner. But I knew all of this before I went there. So I, I did a lot of research. I watched a lot of documentaries before I went there. So I knew exactly what I was getting into. And my mission was a lot bigger than me being worried about those things and growing up the way I grew up, you know, uh, back in the projects also had me in a mental state where I didn't worry at all, right? Because uh, my life growing up as a kid was a lot worse than anything that could happen to me over there. Okay. So what was, you know, you said that your mission was to try and and, and help and, and, and all these things. How do you feel that that went? Oh man, it went amazing. It, 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 and, it, and, and the reason why it went amazing is that it's a 50-50 chance that it could have just been a fail. And, and the reason why is that um, when, when I decided I wanted to do my diplomacy for world peace, it, it, it wasn't like in 1971 where they had a plan. China said, hey, you know what? We're going to pay for some Americans to come play our team and we're going to have friendly matches. There was an actual plan, right, what they did. I had zero plan. I didn't know how I was going to make a difference. I had no idea how it was going to work. All I knew was that I wanted to make a difference. So I had no plan. So, you know, I'm there and uh, I get to play some matches. Uh, my first match against China. And then second match was against North Korea, which was really lucky, right? Because there's more than three countries there, of course. And maybe I didn't draw North Korea. Maybe I drew China and Vietnam. If, if that happened, then the whole thing would have been a fail. I would have just went there just to play two, two countries and come back. But I got North Korea. And um, I remember as soon as the, the match with North Korea happens, you know, you have the umpires. The umpires come out first. You come out second. Then the other umpire comes out and the other player comes out. And there's like 5,000 people in the audience, right? All these people in the audience. And guess what country they're from? North Korea. There, yeah. <laughs> there aren't any other people in North Korea. So there's no one in the audience who's going to root for you, especially if you're playing a North Korean. So, you know, I'm coming out, and as I come out, I get all these eyes. You know, you can feel 5,000 people looking at you. Oh, right? sure. The eyes are on your skin because here I am coming out, this black dude with, 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 with uh, bleached hair with designs in it, which they've probably <laughs> never seen. And if they've never seen Dennis Rodman, I was definitely an alien to them. So I'm coming out. You can feel everybody just looking at you. And it's quiet. It's, it's the most eerie feeling ever, right? So, you know, we come out. We go to the table, inspect the rackets, right? And then the match starts. Now, in the beginning, when I was coming out, I was a little nervous, you know, because all, you know, 
when you're in a situation, especially you come from where I come from, you always think of the worst things that can happen. So I had all kinds of pictures like, oh my God, all the audience is going to run out and try to beat me up or kill me or something. You know, all kinds of things go through your head as you're walking out. But once I get on the table and it's zero, zero, that goes out the window, focus mode. So we start playing the match, right? And now I'm ready to, I'm ready to beat this dude, man. So first point, I make it. Second point, boom. Third point, I'm up five, zero. But every time I make a point, the crowd makes this sound, which goes like, Mm. <laughs> you know it's it's the most eerious sounds of disapproval that you could ever hear in your life it's and picture five thousand people doing the same thing it's crazy man and i was like whoa this is nuts right so i'm playing it keeps in the sound and then and then um he started to make some points he made one point he started clapping made no point clapping then it got louder and louder and louder and it got so loud to where i couldn't even concentrate and I'm not used to that, right? Because I'm usually the underdog, right? But right. they were acting, this guy was the underdog. And, and it was so loud. Like, it was crazy, man. It was just crazy. And then, you know, I, I stopped for a second to collect my thoughts. And I look up and I just smile, right? I just smile. And as I smiled, it was a chain reaction. Everyone started smiling, which was nuts. I was like, whoa, that's crazy, right? So I play again. I do it. I look up and I smile again. And everyone else starts smiling. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy, right? So I said, all right, you know what? This is where it's going to happen. So now I figured out, like I said, I'm always a person that, that, that if I see opportunity, I jump on it immediately. And I saw mm -hmm. the opportunity. I said, this is it right here. I've already connected with these 5,000 fans. So forget about this match. I'm just going to play through the motions, but I'm going to stay in connection with fans. So, you know, I'm playing the match, going through the motions, doing some funny stuff, you know, and always looking up and smiling, and they're always smiling, right? And um, that sound of mm, started to dissipate. It wasn't the same sound anymore if I made a point, right? And then um, <clears throat> eventually the North Korean guy did win the match. And, uh, you know, after, you, after your match, you have to shake hands, right? So uh, the North Korean, so I have my camera filming me, and the camera is actually behind my, behind my back. And for those of you who uh, think that you can't film in North Korean, that's a misconception. You can film anywhere they bring you. And as an athlete, I can film pretty much everything I do. So, so the camera's facing my back, facing his face, and um, he comes to shake my hand, right? But you gotta remember, I'm a Western, I'm American, more or less, I'm American. He doesn't wanna shake my hand at all. He does not wanna touch me, he wanna be near me, right? Okay. So he comes and he puts his hand out, and he gives me like this, this, this weak, really weak, almost like he wants to tap my hand and touch it. And I just grabbed his arm, grabbed his arm, pulled him <laughs> in and gave him the biggest bear hug he's awesome. ever had. And the greatest thing about it is my camera, like I said, is facing his face in the beginning was like, you know, and then he smiled, right? That smile, man, that smile is the reason I went all the way to North Korea was that smile. And, and, all the, all the crowd was cheering. They're just cheering, right? And that's a success because I always tell people that you can't make people change overnight. Change does not happen overnight. Right. But you can plant the seed for change. And by giving this guy a hug and connecting with those 5,000 peoples, I planted a seed in their heads, right? So for the rest of their life, for the rest of their life, they're always going to remember this crazy black dude with bleached out here with designs in it from New York who came all the way to North Korea and showed them nothing but love. There's no way he can ever forget that because I'm sure 
in his life and maybe in his future life, he will never get that hug from any Westerner ever. So whenever there's some uh, 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 government saying some crazy stuff that Americans are this or that, that in, in the little corner of his head and those 5,000 fans head, they might say, well, you know what? I remember that guy that came here from America and um, he, he was pretty nice. He, he did show us love, you know? So that's how, right. that, that's how change starts. And so it was a, a extreme success. I got lucky and it was very, very successful. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like you had a good time there as well. Um, so you've had a really interesting life, and, and I, we're trying to squeeze a, a lot of information into you know about a forty-minute conversation. And, and there's there's so much more about Wally Green that I would like for people to know and pe- people to be able to understand about your journey and, and what you've done and what you've overcome and what you've gone through. Um, because honestly, it's it's a remarkable story of, of perseverance. And so. Um, you know, so so then, and that's kind of one of the things that we like to, to focus on on this show. And that's you know is is moving forward. So I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, the first one: What was the moment in your life, though, where you realized that you had to become focused on forward? Well, oh man, um, I think I think the moment came. Um, Probably when when I was in Germany, when when I was battling, when I was battling with that whole, um, you know, fighting with my mind, you know, you know, because here's the thing. Um, some people don't listen to that, 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 that thing that talks to us. Right. So mm-hmm. I could have been like, screw this. I'm just going to be angry the whole time. I could have got kicked out thinking it said, we don't want this guy here, right? And I could have just been just not even trying to 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 uh, uh, um, change, right? Because some people don't change. Not everyone changes, right? So, but um, I actually listened to myself, right? And I actually was focused on, on, on you know, not going backwards because leaving leaving the, the, the projects and doing all this stuff, being in a different country, that was me going forward. So at that point of when I listened to myself and, and, and understood that I didn't have to be that kid, I didn't have to be that angry person, that was my focus to, go, to going forward. Okay, excellent. I like that. All right, so in the following two questions I have are questions that I ask every single guest uh, who's ever been on the other side of the microphone. So here they are. Looking back over the course of your journey, What's the single greatest lesson that you have learned? Oh man, the single the, the single greatest lesson that I learned. It's actually a couple of lessons. Okay. Um, one is that everyone is not out to get you. You know, everyone is is. Not, when I was a kid, I just believed that everyone was out. You look at me, or you wanted to fight me. Like so, one everyone is not out to get you, and you should. Always have an open mind to the possibilities in your life. There's always more than one way to reach your goal. But if your mind is not open, you'll never see them. So those are two things that I really learned, especially the part about having an open mind. Because you got to remember, this is a sport that I hated. Like, I hated this sport. If you would have asked me a million years ago, (laughs) you'd be doing something in your life with ping pong, I probably would say you're out of your mind. 
So keeping an open mind, man, and 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 uh, 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 having the willingness to 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 explore and and get out there and 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 just you know go for it. That that was one of the biggest things I've learned. Okay, excellent. All right. So the the next question, which is actually very similar to the first that that first one there, is looking back over the entirety of your journey. What's the single greatest piece of advice that you were given? That I was given or that I would give? Oh, we'll do both. How about that? Oh, let me see. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is funny. This is funny. Because now, now you said that, something funny, a memory just popped into my head. Excellent. And, uh, and, uh, uh, <laughs> so I was playing... I was playing a match, right? And um, in the beginning of my career, I, I used to get really angry. Cause like I said, you know, I still had that anger, that little bit of anger in terms of like losing. I didn't want to lose nothing. And I would get angry and I'd just get angry. I'd break rackets. And I'll, during my career, I met a friend from Germany who played German national team. And he's very instrumental in, you know, bringing me around the greatest players in the world. And, you know, I hung out with him. And and one day I was just really, really angry. And I was, and I was just, just talking nonsense on the table. And the greatest thing someone's ever said to me was, shut the F up and play. <laughs> <That's what he laughs> <said. laughs> and he was very serious. And I was like, oh, man, all right. And yeah, and so that was the best advice he's, he's, anyone's ever told me. Yeah, shut the F up and just play, man. Just, 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 just play. Focus on what you're doing, not what just happened two points ago. You know, focus on right now. And yeah, that was one of the best advice. Okay. So what's some advice that you would give to other people then? Oh, um, as I mentioned before, and I always say this all the time, um, everyone uh, needs to keep uh, an open mind. An open mind is, is really, really, really important. You know, because, I mean, there's so many people in this world. There's so many types of cultures, so many types of backgrounds. And, and if you... If your mind is closed, then you can really never understand the struggles that that people go through. So I always, so everyone should always keep and try to keep an open mind and try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And also, another thing I always say: there's always more than one way to reach your goal. Man, a lot of people think, oh, you know, this is my goal, and I'm focused like this. You know, my focus is like this, right? So I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that, I'm going to try that. And one of these things are going to get to my goal, right? So I think right. people should always try to figure out the opportunities and, and, and just, you know, try everything that you think you want to do. Just do it, man, because there's so many ways to get to that goal. And you'll be surprised what brings you to your end happiness. As for me, it was ping pong. Like I said, I never thought I'd be here from ping pong, but I am. Right. Especially based on the way that you talked about it, you know, being in high school, yeah. that was, you know, you know, making fun of the ping pong kids, you know, doing, you know, so. I hope those kids never see these uh, podcasts. <laughs> well, going, actually, oh, that guy. actually, you know what? It, it might not be a bad thing for him because, you know, they might see it and say, hey, you know, hey, maybe he's not so bad. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe they maybe they had a bad impression of you, uh, you know, back in your younger years and maybe. You know, now that they see these things, they they've they've seen your you know other interviews and stories and and things like that, and they go, "Hey, I went to high school with that guy. He didn't <laughs> used to like ping pong." So yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's always an opportunity for somebody to see you in a different light than, than what you were. And, you know, so that's not, that's not such a bad thing either. Well, Wally, I want to thank you for, for being on our show today. Uh, you've been incredibly open with us and, and uh, about your experiences in life. Where can people go to find out more about Wally Green and, and what you're doing? Um, I think now the the best place would, would be my Instagram, which is Wally Green NYC. And also for people who are into TikTok, I have a really cool new TikTok page, which is Wally Green NYC underscore. And I do have a website. I, I don't really use it that much, but it is who is Wally Green. Okay, excellent. All right, guys. So you have an opportunity there, so you can check those out. Um, I'm I'm connected with, and if you're if you're having struggles looking for Wally on Instagram, if you're you're following us, focused on forward podcast fof. If you're if you're following us, you can uh, check out who we're following, and and I follow Wally, and uh, you can follow him from there. Uh, so we'll consider it a little bit of light stalking, but you'll get there. Uh, <laughs> so Wally, again, thank you so much for being on tonight. It's it's been greatly appreciated. We have very much enjoyed having you on. Thank you very much for having me. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us tonight for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.